1: Once again, my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and Rutgers beat reporter, Craig Epstein. Guys, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to go over the uh, pinstripe bowl, Rutgers 31-24 victory over Miami. We're going to go over the battle event, which was the high school showcase at Rutgers on Friday afternoon. Uh, well, all day at Friday, actually. Um, and then we'll talk about Rutgers' uh, disappointing showing yesterday against Stonehill. Uh, but let's kick it right off. Uh, Rutgers went up to the Bronx, took care of business against Miami. Uh, Won 31-24 in what kind of is just the culmination of an emergent season for Shiano uh, in the 2.0 era. Mm -hmm. Um, It had basically the same script as a lot of our our wins this season. Um, So anybody who kind of has watched Rutgers all season kind of knew what to expect, but they executed that game plan. They were able to come away with a victory. Uh, Craig, just talk about high level, what you thought about the bowl game, uh, what this kind of means moving forward.
2: Yeah, I thought it was, first of all, I thought it was a very entertaining game. Uh, it started off kind of interesting, right? It looked like Rutgers was just going to run away with it. They were dominating. At one point, they were out gaining them like 147 to 6. They're up 14 nothing. so you figured to yourself, okay, maybe Rutgers is just physically just a better team. So they looked like they're running away with it. But then Miami answered with 17 straight points. Now it looked like a Miami was going to kind of run away with it. So you, it's just back and forth game, but then the game completely f- uh, flipped on the Ch- Trevor Yeboah Cody blocking the punt, Timmy Ward recovering in the end zone. I mean, that was the turning point of the game really. And Rutgers kind of just rolled from there, from there on. I uh, you know they gave up that, uh, Miami score at the end and they almost gave up the, they did give up the onside kick. Uh, so I guess there was a shot there at Miami for the end and would have, uh, probably ruined uh, my article and a lot of people's hopes and dreams. But uh, thankfully Rutgers got stopped the stop after four plays and that was the game. And really, really a big win. I mean, it's a bowl game. It's kind of uh, first, I mean, first win against Miami. So you kind of exercise that demon from the old, you know, Big East days. So that, that was kind of cool. That was kind of the cool aspect of this game was the fact that, you know, they weren't facing, you know, uh, like a, a boring kind of maybe like a Mac or it's kind of boring team like that. They faced, a team that they have history with. So the fact that they beat Miami, uh, got the win in an exciting fashion, and now going forward, I mean, we've talked about it before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it many more times. The fact that next year, there's a lot of expectations for next year. Now that basically almost the entire defense is coming back, they're probably going to bring in a a quarterback to compete with Gavin. So really, and obviously and Ungai, the guy who was basically the best player all year coming back. That's I mean that's huge. So the fact that they're bringing so many guys back, the schedule seems to be easier than it was this year. If they can get just get some, you know, probably mm-hmm. decent quarterback play out of whoever it is next year, really, this could be potentially be like an eight plus win team, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for sure. What about you, Rich? Rich first awesome first off, Craig,
0: don't don't hate on the Mac. The Mac is fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch. So some okay. action. Yeah, fair enough. That, that is that's fun. That's not something like nobody team, they're fun to watch, but uh, yeah, typical game. Gavin gets to throw like six passes in the first drive. We don't see him again throw another pass for like pff, I don't know the next 10 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, he actually looked pretty good on that first drive and then just nothing after that. Kanwanangai carried the way as usual. Um, they gave up the lead or came close to giving up the lead in the, the third quarter, they did give up the lead in this scenario, but most of these games have played out the same exact way. Like Mike said, it's nothing crazy. It's the same exact script over and over and over again. Rutgers ends up winning in the end, in the end because of special teams, because they're just that good at it. Three block kicks this year, the most in the country are tied for the most. I think it was. Um, so I, I think honestly, it was just a typical Rutgers game. They couldn't have won in any other fashion. Um, they did give up some yards to the backup quarterback and Kyle Mononga on the hands team. I thought he should have, caught that of all people but it and made it a little closer than it should have but overall a pretty good game and uh you didn't even man- mention sam brown kind of looked like he returned to form a bit so that that's that's really good news for next year but um so like you said they're they're probably they could be an 8 win team next year pending i'd say it and I, and I don't want to harp on this but if they have a good quarterback next year they could be an 8 win team
1: yeah um it, it, it'll be great to get some load off with kyle guy not only for you know, just keeping him healthy. But if you have mm-hmm. another season like this, where you are just loading him up with as many carries as Rutgers did, it's going to hurt his NFL draft stock because they're going to be able to scrutinize that. Oh yeah. But he was fantastic on on Saturday or on Thursday. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, just was that guy who kept building steam as the game went on. Those you know, those carries that would have been two yards in the first quarter turned into eight yards. You know, he had a few breakaway runs late in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just everything that you would have hoped he would be given he had a month off and Sam Brown, like you said, hundred percent, he looked like a different player somehow in just the four week span. And we talked about the injury he had was not easy to come back from, you know, those Liz Frank foot injuries. Sometimes it takes guys two seasons to come back from. So uh, really glad to see him back to form because we could have a pretty awesome one, two uh, hammer uh, running back next year. But you're, you're kind of talking about the quarterback and it really was a lot of the same script. We've seen Gavin come out with hot starts plenty of times this year in this game, he started five for seven. Uh, like you said, he was hitting open receivers. Things Perfect. were looking good. And then after he starts five for seven, he finishes two for eight. Um, in the third quarter, in the same drive, he threw uh, two passes in the same possession where he went three and out, which both of them should have been picked. Yep. Thankfully, both of them fell to the turf. But after he threw those two passes, uh, he didn't get another attempt the rest of the game. They had 16 straight rushing attempts to close it out. Um the game was way closer than it should have been at the end with the, you know, how bad the refereeing was. It seemed like, you know, we were playing against 14 men in the fourth quarter uh, with all the referees, just every single time there was either an incompletion or, you know, a 50, 50 play, they were calling a flag. Um, and like you said, the, the hands team gaff and thankfully Rutgers was able to stop him. But mm-hmm. at, at points, you know, you see why a, a mobile quarterback can be so dangerous. Jakari Brown just extended so many plays and yes. just picked up eight yards whenever he really wanted to on the ground. Um, I thought, you know, if you were to tell me he, there was one quarterback in this game who was making his first start and another one who's making his 25th start or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think we probably would have both reversed the roles there. We probably would have said Gavin's probably the, the guy making his first start and Jakari's making his 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he really impressed me, but yeah, this is, I mean, like, we've been talking about if you've watched Rutgers this year and you saw this game, you shouldn't have been, you should have expected it. Like, this is exactly how Rutgers likes to win games, at least this year. And they executed the game plan. Like, they just out tough Miami because Miami did not want the smoke by the end of the game. Like, I know they were chirping a lot at the beginning of the game. They, you know, they were doing some really kind of stupid shady stuff after plays. Like, you know, Robert Longerbeam even got hit after a play. Um, a couple other instances like that, but, you know Rutgers won, um, and you got to take that every day of the week. Winning a bowl game, I did think some of the stuff Shiano said after the game was super interesting. Um, you guys, I know Craig, you were at the, the the presser. I think you were too, Richie. But um, yeah, I thought two things really stood out to me. Um, one is when he was talking about some. The one some reporter asked him about Trevor, you uh, know, Cody. You know how how Greg found him and his story. And he was. Greg was saying that he coached his dad and his uncle at, uh, and he kind of hesitated for a second. Yeah. A school out in Pennsylvania, who's also in our conference. So I, I think he's trying to like start some 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 rivalry stuff up with Penn State. Uh, I know that you know Kyle Flood used to call them like that team in Pennsylvania or something like that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And another is Greg kind of went out of his way to talk about how we're going to have transfer portal guys on campus starting this upcoming weekend uh, multiple times in that interview. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he kept, he said, I think at least three times talking about transfer portal visitors starting this next weekend. Um, Did you guys also find that interesting? Because typically after a big bowl game like this, the coach doesn't go out of his way to say like reinforcements are on the way and we're going to, you know, find ways to make this team better. What were you guys thoughts on that?
0: Um, I mean, it's no secret. Like they, they want a quarterback. They're going to get a quarterback, but I think they need more help than that too. And I think they realize that like they're, they need a tight end clearly. Um, they, they literally don't have one at the moment. Um, it's just a bunch of young guys and Higgins and, uh, Logan Blake, who am I missing Kanopka maybe if he sticks around yeah, Higgins,
1: Blake and Kanopka, the three main guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you're bringing in two freshmen, but they're not really going to do much to start the season. Um, I can't expect much out of them, I should say. Uh, you need offensive line help, too. You need a bad. You're losing Dunlap. You're losing Sutton. It's two of your starters. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not... I shouldn't say it's super shocking. Uh, I just don't know. Like, ever, they, they were comp- complaining about NIL, but they're bringing in transfers, maybe. So, who knows? Maybe these aren't NIL-related transfers. I doubt it. Like Almost everyone is. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do and how they kind of rejuvenate this offense. But I think quarterbacks priority number one like they need a quarterback
2: yeah it is I always I feel like I always I always end up circling it back to the Jets but it's a little bit like the Jets where you just you're just like the Jets where they figure you just want to be better safe than sorry where the Jets thought they were a quarterback away coming into this year go out and get Aaron Rodgers unfortunately Aaron Rodgers you know goes down four plays in and now all of a sudden you find out all the holes that the Jets had so it turns out they weren't a quarterback away so that's why if you're Greg Schiano. You want to get out ahead of this thing. So find out, like you said, Richie, find some, maybe some tight ends, find offensive linemen, defensive tackles. They probably need some inner defensive linemen. Uh, Just find just wherever you might have a hole. Just try and find where you can plug that in because like we can say, you know, you're your quarterback away or just bring it all back and it'll be the exact same thing. But that's just sometimes that's not how it works out between injuries between way things just things work out where it, although we can think or say that next year should be an eight win team that you just never know. So that's why it's better to just be safe than sorry and just get out ahead of things. Otherwise, you'll end up like the Jets and you're once again, they're missing the playoffs. Yeah, and we've
1: seen time and time again how a good quarterback play can really be a, a mask of a lot of deficiencies on a team and be a good mm-hmm. deodorant for You know, how good would how many wins do the Chiefs have with league average quarterback play this year? Probably Um, five? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Same thing with the Bills. How many how many wins do they have with League Average quarterback play? They're not in the playoff hunt. There's so many teams that are propped up by good quarterbacks, and Rutgers has never really been in that situation where they had a quarterback who can hide deficiencies elsewhere. Like people talk about receivers getting separation or you know different you know, oh, the, the, our, right ta- our right guard's not very good. We're, we're getting pressure there constantly. Like, like I'm, just, I'm just making stuff up at this point, but like, a good quarterback could overcome those things. A good quarterback throws guys open. A good quarterback knows, okay, this guy's a little slower than this DB. I need to, you know, I need to, we need to, you know, maybe call an audible, get like whip route going. Maybe you maybe don't have the autonomy to do that. But my point is, a good quarterback can overcome players that aren't as good as him alongside of him. And I feel like everybody along our offense is kind of at least Big Ten average at this point, mm-hmm. outside of tight end, I would say. Maybe you could argue our wide receiver group in general isn't. But they're not, like, the worst in the Big Ten either. Like, we need we need to upgrade the quarterback play significantly next year. And that that could be Gavin. Maybe he makes a big jump this <coughs> offseason. Maybe it's Ethan caliak Manis. Maybe A.J. Serres comes in and is the, you know, way more advanced than the staff would have ever hoped. But I do think we'll get an upgrade in QB play because I don't think the staff is is stupid. I think they kind of had to go with Gavin this year because that was their best option. They kind of put all their eggs in that basket this year, maybe for better or for worse. I think they should have taken a a transfer quarterback, but they didn't, so it doesn't really matter. I think they realized that this isn't good enough, and that's why you take a guy like Cali Menes on a visit before the bowl game because – they know that this can't be the only guy you have going into next year because he, if he's the same guy he was this year, he's not going to play the next year. I
2: yeah. guarantee
1: you that he cannot play at this level in twenty twenty four.
2: And I'm sure um, I'm sure we'll yeah. get the, his uh, commitment announcement afterwards. This podcast, but Richie, what are you hearing about Ava? Yeah.
0: Well, that, before even that, uh, number one, <laughs> just after talking to people at the bowl game and stuff like that, you could tell for a fact Greg Schiano knows he needs a quarterback. So all all the gavin lovers like it's clear as day he knows he needs a quarterback there's there's been a ton of talk that they need a quarterback in order to get to that eight win or more mark everyone's been saying it everyone so just i'm telling you right now there's going to be competition for gavin no matter what um not just aj cerace they're going to bring in a transfer it's probably going to be calic manis it's just a matter of waiting for him to commit um they're going to probably do it in the new year if i had to guess maybe today probably not if i had to guess but uh also, they, um, yes, the game plan is probably not going to change. It's probably going to be very similar to what they do now. They're still going to run the ball down the team's throats. But the fact that if you have a quarterback that can hit over 50% of his completions, it opens up the offense a hell of a lot more. And it opens up the oh, running yeah. game. And opens up this. It's, it's going to make a hell of a difference. And um, I, I really just don't think Gavin's the quarterback next year. I think they're going to have probably Cali Manis if I had to guess. But like you said, maybe AJ surprises and just comes out and beats that guy.
1: Yeah, and like, Kamundungai had a well-deserved MVP performance on Thursday, mm-hmm. 163 yards and on touchdown. <clears throat> Probably could have had more if they didn't give Gavin all those tush pushes. He had nine carries for nine yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. he made he he made um he had 14 missed tackles on his carries, mm-hmm. and that's been the constant theme. Is like, it's not that you know Gavin's rushing ability opens up lanes oh, for guy. That's
0: what other people are telling me.
1: It's it's that Kamundungai <laughs> is so good at making guys miss like in a phone booth that he's able to create chicken salad out of chicken, you know what he's just a, a run sure. that would be for most guys. A zero yard gain would be a five yard gain from a non-guy. He's just constantly able to make that first or second guy miss. And that's why you see him put up these big rushing totals because when you constantly do that and you have that one guy in the open field, you can make miss and there's nobody behind him, That's how those nine yard gains get turned into 50 yard gains. And that's what he's really, really good at. And that's what we saw to Sam Brown last year for, you know, the four games he played, he had that same ability and then he got hurt. And so we have two guys, if they're fully healthy, who can make people miss in the open field and and behind the line of scrimmage. So that's just really exciting because, you know, you could be a power back. You could just be a pure speed guy, but there's not many guys who can just kind of uh, have the, you know, lateral movement skills to make defenders miss in the open field when they have you dead to rights. Get a guy Um,
0: that can hit a mid-level pass, intermediate level pass. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then it opens I'm, up everything.
2: Like yeah, everything. I'm, I I'm going to say, I'm pretty confident. If Rutgers can just get a 60% completion percentage from any whoever the quarterback is next year, I'm pretty confident they could be an 8-win team next year.
0: I'm not even yep. asking for that high. I'm just asking for over 50.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think <clears throat> Shiano getting all these guys to come back, he knows next year is a very unique opportunity in the Big Ten where you have a senior-laden group all coming back, you know, riding this emotional high coming off this bowl game, they've all played together. Like you could have a a ton of talent, but if they're not kind of integrated like Rutgers is right now, like you look at Miami, they had one of the best recruiting classes in the country last few years. And they had all these high level transfers, but between the mentality of like me, 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 I just want money. And they're just not in sync out there on the field. They underperform. And you've seen that across the board with Texas A&M. You've seen that with, uh, USC this year, they look like total shit. And they had arguably the best player in the country in Caleb Williams. So I do think there's something that's unspoken about just a team that has been through wars together and knows, you know, where his teammates are going to be at any time on the field, knows the scheme. You know, they're on th- year three of Harris next year. He knows that next year is the year to make a leap. And I'm not saying it's going to be 2006, but it is setting up similarly where you have so many guys returning. Uh, to a team that already kind of broke through the year before, and you you just can't you can't miss out on those opportunities because you don't know when the next time you're going to get this kind of chance in the Big Ten. Yeah, pretty spot on. Um, anything else about the the bowl game or the, the season in general that you guys wanted to hit on before we uh we talk some hoops?
0: Um, not that I could think of. I mean, really good crowd showing um by Rutgers. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a ton of people. They actually had the upper deck side on Rutgers side of things actually opened up for which was interesting um because the miami side wasn't open up or if it was there's just no one up there um but yeah no i mean really good showing from Rutgers. we saw a ton on the train on the way in um i'm sure a bunch of others took just drove and stuff um big showing at billy's as uh as you saw in the videos and everything mike you were there so you could speak more towards that but uh yeah no really good showing by Rutgers.
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about Billy's real quick. Um, Billy's was where the Rutgers Alumni Association and Night Report, um, I think, you co-sponsored it. <clears throat> but they had a, an event there. If you ever been to Billy's, it's right across this, the street from Yankee Stadium. Uh, the event didn't actually fully start until 11. Doors opened at 10. I got there at 10.15, and that place was basically three-quarters full already at 10.15. By 10.30, it was just like, asked to ass throughout the entire place. Like, you could not move around. Um, so that place was totally jam-packed with 95% Rutgers fans. And I would say Yankee Stadium was about 75% Rutgers fans. Um, it was a great overall showing. You know, I think everybody wants to be enthusiastic about this program. They're finally getting a reason to be enthusiastic. And I think next year could be an all-timer.
2: I, I really believe that. Um, and as to say, Mike, the the one question I think everybody's wondering is, did you win those Greg Shiano worn shoes? <laughs>
1: uh, I did Jeez. not, thankfully, uh, and I say thankfully because I don't want some nance, you know, stinky ass <laughs> shoes in my in my apartment. Like where are you where do you even put those things? Covered in Gatorade. Like, <laughs> if, yeah, covered in Gatorade. If I was to win them, I would just. Probably got either, turf pellets in them. Oh no, that wasn't yeah, turf it was grass, but it's probably got some would, grass in it. I would either donate them to some kind of super fan or auction for charity or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't particularly care about getting some guy's shoes.
0: Um, I like the idea. It's just the the shoes itself. They're they're brutal. They're like Merrells. They're like hiking shoes.
1: <laughs> they are those Terex. Um, that's Is that Adidas's like activewear brand, oh, like for RG's? hiking and stuff. They were Adidas Terex uh, shoes. So those are like for like light hiking. Yeah. I No,
0: I'm good.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, the way her on the along the sideline, it kind of is a hike, so I guess it makes
1: sense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that's so great a great season for the football finish. team. <laughs> 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 um, finished with a bowl game. Winning record for the first time since 2014. Mm-hmm. A bowl game victory since the first time for, since 2014. Uh, kind of exceeded most people's expectations this year. So yeah. hopefully we could take the next step next year. Maybe get into the the eight nine win territory. Um, because hear me out, I don't have my tinfoil here. Playoff expands to twelve next year. <laughs> if we right. get if we get above average quarterback play with our schedule, I think we have an outside chance at the playoff. And time this next might- year.
2: This pod could be a preview pod. It could Ooh. be, um,
1: and I'm not <laughs> saying it's going to happen. But if we're tracking with 2016, 2006, like I said, you know, Rutgers finished that season ranked 12th in the AP. So we gotta shall see. At least. You got to get the 10 wins. Yep, got to have some kind of upset. But I think the it's not totally crazy to start thinking those kind of things if if we get the quarterback situation settled. Um, all right, yeah. let's move on to some basketball. Uh, on Friday afternoon, all day Friday, there was an event at, uh, the rack. It's called the battle. It was a high school showcase. Uh, last year they had it as well. And Gavin Griffith's team played in it this year. They had, uh, three of Rutgers, uh, top commits playing in this game, or at least their high school teams playing in this game. Uh, Lathan Somerville's team, um, Don Bosco and McKee churn for, uh, Ace Bailey, Rich, you were at the the event. Just talk about kind of the vibes from it, who you thought really stood out. I know, I know Dylan didn't play because he tweaked his knee, but there were some really uh, high level standout performances there.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess just starting from the beginning, which was the, uh, the first game of Lathan Somerville's team versus that college, uh, achieve, uh, prep, which is like the new school down in Asbury park. That's, Got the old Roselle Catholic head coach. Um, It's interesting. So that team's really not that good yet because they have a lot of sit-out transfers due to the NCAA transfer rules or the NCAA, the NJSIAA transfer rules. Um, So they're kind of just waiting till January for the most part, just trying to make filler games. They actually don't have enough games to make states, I was told. And somehow they're group one too, which is going to be ridiculous because they're going to have superstars eligible in January against group one schools. That's just all bets are off. But, uh, yeah, Lathan had a hell of a game. Showed off his handles, showed off um, his entire skill set for the most part. Former guard, so it's not too crazy to see him crossing people up, for those that know. But if you didn't know and you see a seven-foot guy just cross up a guard or a wing, it's like, oh, shit, what's going on? Like, yeah. But uh, what do you finish with? I'm looking at it now. Uh, 28-8-3, and so, I mean, pretty damn good game. Uh, he's definitely getting a lot better. I really think at this point he might be a starter next year just because they don't have a big man, kind of.
1: <clears throat> and it'll be refreshing to have an offensive threat from yeah. the big man position. <clears throat> I, I do want to put out his full line because it's just very – he was so efficient. He was he had 28 points on 10 of 15 shooting. That included a 3 of 4 from the three-point line, and 5 of 5 on, on free throws, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, 3 assists, we did have seven turnovers, and uh, thanks to Fonseca for compiling all that. I just uh, just read off his tweet, basically. But mm. insane offensive player for for a kid who's seventeen at six ten two fifty. He's absolute, gonna be fun to watch.
0: Absolute freak. Um, watched him, and then what was the second game? Second game was Hudson Catholic versus Patrick School, and it was actually a closer game than I thought. You could just see the high level talent between those two teams. Um, Patrick School ended up beating Don Bosco earlier this week too, so. Um, they're they're a really good team. There's a ton of guys there, but um, no no one really to watch. The one maybe guy to watch was Brandon Lee Jr., who came to Rutgers on a visit a month ago. Um, his dad's like the first ever Puerto Rican NBA Nash- Puerto Rican NBA champ, I think it was something like that. Um, I shouldn't say something like that. It was that actually. Um, and Hudson Catholic has to hide Pettifer- Ted of for Pettifer- Jeez, I can't talk this morning. <laughs> um, and he's one of the best guards in the country. Uh, I think he's. I forget what he is top twenty something like that. He's going yeah, to Auburn. He's a five
1: star. Yep.
0: Yeah, he's he's really really good. Good friends with uh with Dylan. Something to note. Uh, after that was the the game that kind of got everyone really excited was the the uh, overtime elite series uh game versus Joey and um RWE Rod Wave Elite um. they're it's basically an AAU game when you watched it. Like it was just complete athleticism up and down the court. No one can run with those guys whatsoever um peyton marshall's just a massive big man going to missouri he's he's an old school i'm gonna play 10 minutes and then get subbed help for the next 10 minutes because he (laughs) needs a break but uh he was just he's like seven foot like 260 maybe like he's huge (laughs) he's just a massive human being um ian jackson who's like number six in the country in this year's class was going to north carolina was just pulling from like everywhere from like the Jersey Mike's logo like six feet beyond the arc at the top of the key like and just nailing threes. Um, Delquan Warren was out there. We got to watch him a little bit. He looks really good actually. He had a like a I think it was a damn near triple double at one point. Um actually I don't even see the box score on this one. But he uh he had like ten and eight I think it was or ten and nine. Um he had a couple assists, a couple blocks. He he was really good actually. I was very impressed with this offensive skill set for a guy that really doesn't have one. Um, then was the last one, uh, Cardinal Hayes, Don Bosco. Um, Dylan didn't play Kiner Asperola really didn't impress me too much. This game. Um, he impressed me more when I saw him versus Mickey, Mickey churn, uh, the city of palms a couple weeks ago, but, uh, Brady Coughlin by far the best shooter on that Don Bosco team that that team is just built for Harper. Basically it's got a big man who can rebound and a bunch of shooters and defenders next to him. Like it's just, it's built for him. Um, but they still ended up crushing that Cardinal Hayes team, which is a pretty decent New York team. And then uh, last but not least, it was uh, the, the big game. And that's when everyone kind of showed up in the crowd because the crowds were empty for like most of these. I should say, like, Lathan Somerville's game had no one at it. Mind you, 2 p.m. was kind of early uh, on a yep. Friday. Uh, the next game didn't really have a bot. And then all of a sudden, like, Overtime Elite had a lot more people because everyone gets excited with all these dunks and the deep threes and all that. And then all of a sudden, that last game, it just started filling in more and more with more Rutgers fans than anything. Uh, you just saw seas of red um, in the rack, which isn't unknown, but it was kind of cool to see. And Ace starts the game off with a slam dunk, runs into Brandon Knight. Um, it was kind of hilarious because Brandon Knight's like screaming at him, like "Yeah, let's fucking go!" Blah blah blah. He's like pushing him back on the court. Like, <laughs> it was uh, it was something. And then he goes proceeds to drop forty points, and it was just like, geez. Like he was just he legitimately hit one from the jersey Mike's logo like it was insane like absolutely <clears throat> it's it's just his athleticism is just another level and he struggled in the first half i thought he had a struggling 19 points in the first half like <laughs> it was it's crazy to say that but then all of a sudden like the camden uh baseline uh, i'm trying to think who it was it's was just a bunch of fans from camden i guess and they were just chirping him and like he missed a shot and he like you saw him look back and like say something back to him and it just like clicked with him and it was just like that's it. I'm taking over. And he's hitting fade away, step back threes. He's hitting fade away from the baseline. He's hitting deep threes. He's dunking on people. Like he just literally could not miss. It was incredible. Um, he still needs to. And, and then, like on defense, he had the one possession where he had two blocks in the same possession. Like he's just a freak athlete. And it's going to be, there's no other way to describe it. Like he can be as good as he wants to be. And you see people tweeting out Jonathan Givenoy, who's like, the uh, NBA draft analyst for ESPN is tweeting out like potential number one pick in 2025. Yeah. Like this. Jonathan Gavoni. Yeah. Gavoni. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Like to watch his, that play in that game and everything. Great event.
1: Yeah. And it seemed like Ace was kind of like, almost like he brought out his best after people were challenging him and talking shit. And it, it just seemed like he just had that kind of like, Mamba mentality, for lack of a better Mm. term. Like, okay, you want to see something? I'll show you this. Let me pull up from, you know, the logo. Let me pull up Mm. from the corner. Um, I'm just going to drive the lane and kind of do whatever I want. And we've seen that plenty of times. And he had, like, this really impressive uh, fadeaway along the baseline, too, where he did, like, a move that I don't even really know how to call it. It was almost like a a crow hop step back. Yeah. Like, just – he has so many moves. And these guys – If you follow any of them on Instagram, and I say them like our recruits in 24, they are like constantly posting just like pictures of them in the gym at like midnight. Like these guys Mm -hmm. work their asses off and it shows like you don't develop that many moves that you can call upon at any point without working, working, working. And Ace definitely has worked his ass off to get where he is. Um, I think he is arguably the best player who's ever going to put a Rutgers uniform on. And I know that I a debate. Like, to see that kind of performance, that is basically just like watching an NBA player out there against a bunch of kids. Like, how many of our 2024 recruits, based on the performances <clears throat> you've seen this season, Rich, because you've seen all of them, all the top guys now, uh, at least once, <clears throat> how many of those guys would start right now on the Rutgers basketball team? Like, if they were just dropped onto this team in the middle of the season, how many of those guys would start the following game? Out of
0: the twenty twenty four class,
1: yeah,
0: um, all of them. <laughs> no, you I say mean, all uh, of them. Yeah, you mean over under two and a half? Over, yeah. Over. I, I think I think obviously Dylan, uh, Ace. Um, we're talking about the Ruckers recruiting class, correct? Yes. Um, probably late. Uh, I mean, maybe not with Cliff currently. Um, maybe probably Dylan Grant, just because you need rebounding and. I don't know. It's weird. I'd say over. I'd say probably three. Three. Yeah. It's tough because, like, you can't replace Cliff. Jamichael Davis is pretty good. Um, Watt Mag's hard to replace, too. That's the issue. Like, it depends really what you're looking for in terms of, like, that, that role, that, uh, wing player.
1: But at least three in the top eight of oh. the rotation. Yeah. Easily.
0: All, I mean, they're, they're, I think all of them are in the rotation next year, 100%. All five of them. Even Dorch? Yep, I think he'll be in there. They don't have a backup (laughs) floor.
1: Yeah, I do. My main concern about next year is that you're seeing it now with like USC. Like, You can't just only have freshman guys. You need to have some some kind of experience around them, and I think we'll have that with Mag and Jeremiah Williams and maybe a little more seasoned J. Mike and Gavin Griffiths and uh, a few other players. But we do need to be a little bit balanced, and I I hope we don't have too much reliance on freshmen mm. um, but we could always get transfer guys into it's you never know who's gonna be on the roster until the season starts so no yeah. I mean you're gonna be
0: guard heavy um, you're gonna have wings you might it depends but it really really depends on what happens because you never know because look at what happened with well, he and Spencer we thought they were coming back next yeah. year and then uh, what was it May and June hit <laughs> it's like yeah it's crazy they definitely need a big man transfer. I feel like, but I I could trust Lathan out there a little bit. Wolfolk needs to v- develop his game a lot more. We don't know what Emmanuel Ogbo can do yet, so it's still a lot of like uh, determining what's what this team is this year. Still,
2: man, I kind yeah, of had point. the thought looking at Lathan's stat line. It's like you know everybody's going to be so keyed in on Ace and Dylan. The fact that you can have somebody like Lathan who could probably also take over a game is just incredible like it just makes it this so much more exciting
0: i wouldn't count on him taking over next not year. not taking all, over but honest.
2: he can he can like you know he, he can he can get his
0: <laughs> yeah i i don't think he'll see like he had a good game don't get me wrong that college chief team is bad like i said they have a lot of sit-out transfers right now um he still had a lot of turnovers he's, he's still figuring out his game so like people are like why is he not top 30 look at that performance <laughs> and i'm like all right. That's why you don't base one performance off a ranking. Like that's that's not how it works. Um, he had a good game, but he still also had some struggles too. Like he didn't have that many rebounds. Uh, he did kind of. He's kind of the star player of that team too. It's a, he's in a weird role right now. Like he's going to have to shift back from like going from their go-to option to like now a third or fourth option maybe even next year. It's it's going to be an interesting switch for him, and uh, I, I need to see more rebounding out of him. Like I need to see him use his body a little more down low, um, just be able to box box people out and not just use your your weight and your strength. Like you need to actually like box people out for a change and put your body in front of them. Because I think once you once you get to this league, you a different animal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a grown man's league. It's um, probably the most physical league in college hoops. So you really do need to have. A developed body and we've seen guys we geo talked to us about it and just how how much the the strength and conditioning program really can mold freshmen in the summer like yeah. i think geo said he put on like 20 pounds of muscle in the, the first few months he was here um so they'll they'll get these guys ready and if you look at a guy like dylan like dylan has a college body already he is we've heard people talk about him having like the most developed body for a guard in high school right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's far off. He is solidly built. He takes a ton of contact constantly at the rim. He's kind of got the, the contortionist ability to kind of get a good shot up regardless of, you know, how a guy defends him and if there's help brought on or so, I I do feel like we're in pretty good hands there. I think Nathan has developed enough body to play in college. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big concern for most freshmen for sure. Um, when you were there, were you hearing any kind of rumblings, Rich, about any kind of recruiting information uh, regarding Rutgers? Uh,
0: nothing crazy. Like, uh, there's obviously a bunch of different high school kids there, um, big name high school kids, specifically from those teams that were there too. Uh, but no, I mean, Rutgers isn't. This isn't going to be like a one and done thing. I don't think. Um, I was talking to someone who told me Brandon Stores Jr. This is already on our boards for a couple days now, um, is down to Georgia tech or, uh, Rutgers stores, juniors, dad played for Steve Hayden college. Um, sounds like it might be Georgia tech slightly, but that's, it's really hard to tell because he's such a New York based kid. Uh, his entire family's from New York. His dad played in New York. His uh, uncle coached Manhattan last year as interim head coach. He's currently NJIT's lead assistant. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting one too. He's a, uh, he's number 45 in the country, I believe, or 48, something like that. Um, So he's going to be one to watch and th- they're not done. Like Trey McKinney's like heavily considering Rutgers. He's number 12 in the country. Darius Acuff is number what, 13 or 11 in the country, something like that. Mm. And he's, he's, he's considering Rutgers too. He'll be on an official visit soon. They, they scheduled Jalen Harrell, who's a top uh, hundred kid on an official visit, like this isn't going to be like a one-and-done. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm very excited for this six-month span of Rutgers basketball next year. But, um, And I think we can also talk about the fact that some of the uh, – got an argument on Twitter with the, uh, an NJ.com writer. Craig, so no offense. But, oh, good. Um,
2: <laughs> wasn't me. I, I,
0: I, oh, no, I know it wasn't you because no, <laughs> you would never call someone not a one-and-done. Maybe in a G League to start uh, – a potential G League guy. In Ace Bailey, oh, I I lost my shit on that one. I was like, "Who the <laughs> hell says that?" And did you not see them on on Saturday? Oh, you didn't because you didn't go to the game because you sent your lackey who was sitting next to me. But um, besides the point, um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, nothing else really. It's 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 all um relatively quiet. Everyone's just kind of waiting till next year. At this uh, especially after watching that, <laughs> that Stonehill game, I think everyone's just like, "Eh, next year."
1: Yeah. That's a good transition because that was uh, on the precipice of disaster on Saturday. Wow. Um, Rutgers won 59-58 to 58 against Stonehill, who is a team that ranked in the 320 or the 350s, I think, in uh, in net ranking. Uh, it would have been the worst loss of any team this season, um, any team that has any kind of postseason aspirations in, mm-hmm. in any anyway. Um, this would have been worse than Lafayette. This would have been worse than any game in recent memory. Uh, Stonehill has faced a lot of really good teams this year. They played Miami. They played UConn. Uh, they played one other high-level team. So this is a team that kind of knew what a good team looked like, and they took it to Rutgers. Like, this is a team that had like no size, and we couldn't dominate in the paint. This is a team that liked to shoot a lot of threes and didn't even have that good of a shooting performance. It's just Rutgers continues to have this like backslide like they can't hit shots around the rim. Like I thought Cliff had a good game despite us not really trying to go through him. You know he got fouled like I think like 12 times. He had 18 free- throw attempts. he went 11 for 18. Um, but nobody else could hit a shot it seemed. like I know Derek Simpson hit the game winner, but I think before that he was like three for 13. Um, he continues to have a bit of a you know slump this year. Uh, I know Gavin Griffiths took five shots and didn't make any of them. Noah Fernandes took four shots, didn't make any of them. W- w- what in your guys' estimation is is going on with this team? Like this is legitimately uh, concerning at this point.
2: Yeah, they just can't shoot. I mean, it's just it's watching. <laughs> like it's, it's just watching like a team trying to run in a modern NBA offense that just cannot shoot. It's it's just it's it's honestly it's just it's hard to watch at times. The fact that I mean the fact that they're they're lucky they're playing Stonehill because if you if they faced literally just about any other team probably in the country they would have gotten probably run out of the gym with a performance like that I mean between just just can't shoot and they struggle with rebounding and luckily enough like you said Cliff had a decent game you'll say but other than that nobody really played well and it's just really just I mean they came away with a win you know you don't want to take away the fact they came away with a win but I mean it's really it just at that point it just did, they did really it doesn't even feel like they really won cuz the the fact that it came down to really you you were one less shot away from losing to stonehill to stonehill like it's just yeah. that, can't, that can't happen so you basically just went from okay you're like if they lost to stonehill season's over forget it it's up in smoke where are through next year but now it's just like okay like there's still i guess somewhat of a there's still you know calcul math calculation wise you're still in it but Really, I mean, how do you expect to win really any games in the Big Ten if you're going to play like this? I mean, they're not going to play every game like this. You would think throughout the Big Ten slate, there's going to be at least a couple games here and there that they, you know, magically start making some shots. But really, if you if this is the team that we're going to get going forward, this is this season is just going to be nothing. There's no, there's not going to be a. Tur- they're not going to make the tournament, and they're probably not even going to make the NIT. It's just this, this, this can't happen. Yeah,
0: that's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's just an ugly shooting performance. They can't get the ball in the hoop um, between layups. Even um, I just thought the team as a whole just can't shoot. The guards are just pathetic. Like Noah Fernandes is either the worst guard in the country or he's average at best. Like he's just he's struggling. Gavin Griffiths. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if, what it is, but he just can't find his his uh, shot whatsoever. Um, Derek before that game winner was. Was god awful. He's like three of what? Three of 14 before that? Or three of 13 before that?
2: And combine that with the Mississippi State game with almost the same <clears> exact <throat> thing. Like he's just been, yeah. he's really been, the last two games, he's been one of their worst players. Yeah. But
0: I mean, take the victory lap where you can get it, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't get that one. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's, it's been
1: a, <clears throat> it's been a tough season for Rutgers. And it's not going to getting any easier. It's, Non-conference is over. Rutgers finished 8-3 and three in the non-conference. <clears throat> They've played one Big Ten opponent so far. And that was Illinois, and they had a non-competitive outing against them. And next week, we play Ohio State and Iowa, both on the road. So this is going to be a rude awakening for this team, unless they can get things turned around fast. I know this is the time of year where it's just not – it's like an awkward time because they're getting time off to go visit family for the holidays. They're coming mm-hmm. back. They're not even in session right now for school, Um, so maybe you think you can convince yourself that they'll have a a bit of a turnaround once the semester gets back rolling, but I just don't see any of the issues this team has as easily fixable. So I'm not the type who's going to say doom and gloom, but this team is is significantly worse than I thought they would be this year. I was pretty high coming into the season, Um, but this is a team that's got some – some serious offensive issues that I don't see how they fix in the next couple weeks. Yeah, for sure.
2: I just can't believe how just just none of them can shoot. it Feels like like other than high, ever, ever at some point just goes f it and just hits nails a three. Like just Gavin can't like Gavin came into the like I get he's a freshman and he's gonna need time, but G- Gavin can't shoot right now. It's just like it's unbelievable. I, I just I, can't, like I just can't figure it out.
0: I don't like saying freshmen need time in basketball. I feel like basketball, <laughs> especially when you're that highly ranked, you should be able to just pop right in a lineup and be okay for the most part. I'm not saying you're not going to have struggles, but like this guy's like non existent compared to his high school games. Like it's insane.
2: That's why if Dylan and Ace come in and they start struggling shooting, I'm going to be convinced there's like a voodoo curse on like the, 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 the Jersey Mike's Arena when you put on that uniform because it's just like it's crazy.
1: It's, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you're you're talking about the shooting. There's only one guy who's shooting better than one for three from three, and 33% is what I mean. That's Andre Hyde, who's at 36%. But the team in general is 29% from three, 64.7% from the line, uh, less than 40% from the field in general. Um, We're not forcing nearly as many turnovers as we were last year. Uh, The offensive The rebounding numbers are what really kind of concerns me is because, you know, rebounding is typically a a strength of this team, of Steve Peichel-led teams, Mm -hmm. and we're just getting dominated in the paint this year. Like, I think we're averaging, like, three fewer rebounds per game, and that's... You know, if you look at how many cupcakes we played and, like, how our rebounding numbers look against teams that have a pulse, like, we're just getting totally dominated in the paint, and that's probably more easily fixable than the shooting woes, <clears throat> but you got to wonder like why that deficiency is even there right now for a Steve Pike led team. Is it because they're relying on a lot of y- younger guys or is it because, you know, some guys are having more trouble than others adjusting to playing that way. I, I don't have an answer, but the rebounding num- the rebounding's issue has to get fixed first and foremost, because that, uh, that is the most concerning by far of what's going on with the team.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's kind of cliff. Like it's yeah. just, it's just basically him and Mag. Like I don't know what Mag's doing. Like I don't know if he's scared or whatever because of the injury from last year. But his rebounding numbers are way down. Um, they have no one else too. Like Wolf folks yeah. have regressed. Like everyone's regressed. Like kind of to be honest with you, it's nothing. I I don't know. It's like a square peg, round hole in terms of the the offense too. Like the whole like thing. Like the whole speed, speed, speed. Like it's just. They have the speed; they're just not using it like correctly. Yep, it's weird.
1: Like it's just it's it could be an ugly year. Yep. Um, so we've kind of gone through a lot here, guys. Is there anything either of you wanted to hit on before we head out for the day? Uh, OG and a
2: newbie. Welcome to the Knicks. I guess it's a weird one. Yeah, I did. I mean, who would have thought one. a trade on like? What well, time was like one o'clock on New the yeah. day before New Year's Eve? Like what? What a what a what a random trade!
0: I don't get yep. it. Still <laughs> don't get, I still don't get it. From I mean, whatever you guys made yourselves worse, sure.
2: I think we're. I think the Knicks are gearing up for another run at Donovan Mitchell. I think you guys are tanking. Tanking, yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: look at it. Think about it. You just traded two of your top
2: four scorers. What is it? I mean, what does that even mean for OG? Who's yeah. Three and D, you know, oh yeah, that's what we, were, we were trying to figure out some three and d guys in the league not too long ago, there you go, there's one
0: you got precious Achua and fucking Julius Randall down low, sure, <laughs> that, that should be fun, that should be actually that that's must watch basketball, let me tell you, <laughs> how's um, things going yeah. over for you guys, by the way, I don't know, I can can't talk we're, <laughs> we're rebuilding um anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, not not the Big Ten. Kind of looks like uh, shit in college football. Maybe the Big Ten wasn't that good this year. <laughs> let's, let's say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think we we talked time and time again. Uh, we didn't really think Penn State was that good. They're just more talented than Rutgers, and that's kind of why they won that game. But Penn State is under James Franklin repeatedly. Any team that's roughly equal or better talent than them, they just get you know they look outclassed on the field. Franklin's not a good coach. He's a great recruiter. Yes. Um, Ryan Day, I think a lot of rumblings about him not being, you know, the guy might be true. I mean, they they lost. They didn't really even lose that much talent into this game. Like they had trivia Henderson. McCord. They had they lost Kyle McCord, and they were starting Devin Brown, who got hurt, and they had used their you know third or fourth string quarterback at that point. But other than Marvin Harrison, like Marvin Harrison and uh, McCord were like the only two guys they were really missing from that bowl game. and they just got dog walked like they, yeah. that game was ugly, uh, but they were never really at any point like looking like the better team. Yeah, uh, all the all the hopes really the rest on Michigan, you just got to hope that uh, they pull through with the Big Ten. Maybe maybe not because I know a lot of people aren't necessarily fans of theirs. I'm not really either, <clears> but uh, you know, I'd rather have the Big Ten win a title than the SEC. So that's I just read the only before, way I'm looking yeah. at it.
0: Yeah,
2: I was say before we start, I started read that. Uh, Harbaugh hired a NFL guy as an agent as his agent now. I mean, so I guess there's kind of smoke there that maybe he's going back to the uh...
1: literally just signed a contract extension. So what I yeah. don't think he's going. Yeah. anywhere like not today. Like that, like a week or two ago. Ah, so. yeah. so, yeah. so, oh, you never know with him. <clears throat> um, but recruiting wise, we had a big visitor yesterday for basketball. A class of 26 kid. He was the top 65 ki- guy. Ooh, um. We have a, uh, another top visitor coming for an official visit in January, Jalen Harrell, who visited, I believe, in the summertime. Uh, he visited September. recently in September. Yeah. Um, so keep a lookout for him. Transfer Portal guys are going to be coming this upcoming weekend. Uh, we're going to work as hard as we can to get a full list of that. Um, so just stay tuned because there will be a bunch of recruiting news coming in the short term. Um, maybe some commitment podcast or two uh, things break the right way. Um, but I want to apologize for the hiatus. I had a lot of family stuff going on. Uh, my grandparents were up. I only really get to see them once a year. My brother was up. I only get to see him like once or twice a year. Uh, Richie's been dealing with uh, been some dead. Yeah. I don't even, he doesn't <laughs> even really even know what he had, but you've just been kind of laid out yeah. fighting through it. Um, it's been rough. So, Really appreciate you guys' patience, but we wanted to get something out to you guys uh, before this information really wasn't uh, useful anymore. Um, but for me and the guys, it's been another edition of the Nigger 4 podcast I'm signing off.